You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. One day can change everything. And in modern history, that day has become August 8th, 2022. Welcome to Greg Kelly Reports. I'm John Tobacco, filling in for Greg tonight. August 8th used to be a date that meant nothing. Just another hot summer day. But now it means everything. August 8th has truly changed America as we know it. August 8th, the day of the unprecedented raid on Donald Trump's Mar-a-Lago home. Yet another attempt at a witch hunt against the former president, since all the other attempts have failed. Last night, we learned from anonymous sources to the Washington Post that the FBI searched Mar-a-Lago to look for nuclear documents. Well, today, the search warrant issued prior to the raid has been released, raising more questions than answers. The three statutes listed on the warrant pertain to gathering, transmitting, or losing defense information, which I'm guessing is the nuclear documents the Washington Post article referenced. The other two statutes, concealment, removal, or mutilation generally, and destruction, alteration, or falsification of records in federal investigations and bankruptcy. Also included in the release was the receipt of property of all the boxes and documents seized by the FBI. Some things included a leather-bound folder, some handwritten notes, and a whole bunch of boxes. Seems like nothing crazy. In fact, some of these documents date way back to 2017. Five years ago? What could possibly be in those boxes that the FBI and the DOJ don't already know or have after the Mueller investigation? After impeachment number one, after impeachment number two, why now are they raiding his home for these documents? Similarly, if the Washington Post article is true, if they were looking for these potential nuclear documents, why would they wait two years to come looking for them? Trump didn't just move in Mar-a-Lago. He's been living there since January of 21. Besides asking why now, I have another question. Riddle me this. Why this way? Why do they need to raid the home of a former president? Like President Trump said in a statement, why didn't they just ask? They didn't need to seize anything. They could have had it any time they wanted. Without playing politics and breaking into Mar-a-Lago, they could have had it any time they wanted. And that includes long ago, and all they had to do was ask. All they had to do was ask, but they didn't because they wanted an excuse to make this move. 
They wanted to escalate this situation to a point of no return. And you know, this, this reminds me of something, something like long ago that I learned in history class in eighth grade. In 49 BC, a famous phrase was born as Julius Caesar stood at the north end of the bridge about to enter Rome. He said to his troops, even yet, we may draw back, but when we cross the Rubicon of this little bridge, the whole issue is now by the sword. And my friends, by raiding the former president's home, they have crossed the Rubicon. And now, like Caesar, they're showing us all that the rule of law, as we know it, is gone. And all of it at the whim of Merrick Garland's sword. Merrick Garland, who stood up before America yesterday and acted as Mr. Tough Guy, claiming that it was him who signed the order to cross the Rubicon. Uh, don't be fooled. Oh. There are, however, certain points I want you to know. First, I personally approve the decision to seek a search warrant in this matter. Second, the department does not take such a decision lightly. <laughs> Don't be fooled, okay? Uh, take it from this wise guy. Merrick Garland is no tough guy. While he may have been one and who actually signed the paper, he merely caved under the pressure. Why is Merrick Garland allowing this nonsense to continue? <laughs> he's such a he, he's such an institutionalist that maybe he's too afraid to go after Trump. Merrick Garland, if you indict Trump, you'll be my person of the year, yeah. of the decade. Caving to the pressure of not only Democrats, but of the fake news, Garland allowed America as we know it to change forever because the rule of law will never be the same from this point forward. But during this announcement yesterday, I wonder, where was FBI Director Ray? Why would he let the Attorney General Garland stand up there all alone? Something here don't smell right. Because once again, we were left with more questions than answers. And it's supposed to be Garland's job to answer why not to run and hide. Thank you. Attorney General, the former president of the FBI agents. Thank you all for your questions. But as I said, this is all I can say at this time. If they could do this to a former president, they could do it to anyone. But they're forgetting one thing. The pendulum swings both ways. And I'm not saying that when Republicans get back in the White House, this attack on political enemies will become the norm, despite the fact that Democrats have set the president precedent but I think they underestimated just how quickly the pendulum will come swinging back to them. In a recent poll, 83% of Republicans say they're more likely to vote in the 2022 midterms as a result of the FBI raid. This politicized raid against President Trump has awoken Americans to the unjust Justice Department. And it will become a decision that the FBI and the DOJ in my humble opinion, will come to regret. This raid has backfired. Americans are more ready than ever to fight for what's just. One day, August 8th, has truly changed the course of history. It is the day the Rubicon was crossed and the pendulum began swinging back to them. There's one more thing that's been bothering me about this raid, which they claim is all about presidential records in the National Archive. 
It all stems from the Presidential Records Act, which, by the way, has never been used before. So again, why now? It's because they're scared. They're scared of Trump. How much the American people love him in the Presidential Records Act, which reads, whoever having the custody of any such record, proceeding, map, book, document, paper, or other thing, willfully and unlawfully conceals, removes, mutilates, obliterates, falsifies, or destroys the same, shall forfeit his office and be disqualified from holding any office under the United States. Aha! There you have it! They're using the sham raid to find a way to stop President Trump from becoming president again. They're hoping the raid will turn up something that's just enough to keep him out of office. I mean, they've been telling us about this plan for years. I guess we just haven't taken it seriously. I uh, will do uh, everything I can to ensure uh, that uh, the former president never again gets anywhere near the Oval Office. I hope the American people can see that a man like this doesn't belong anywhere near the Oval Office. There is nothing more important she will ever do than lead the effort to make sure Donald Trump is never again near the Oval Office. <laughs> I don't know why that Dick Cheney thing always reminds me of a Saturday Night Live skit, but this is proven to be just another witch hunt against President Trump to keep him from where I think he belongs in the White House. After the failed Russia collusion hoax, both impeachments attempt to turn January 6th into the worst day in history. And now this, they're proving they will do anything to hurt Donald J. Trump. But we're not going to let that happen. The pendulum is swinging back. Americans are waking up and we're ready to fight for what is right. We're joined now by the Director of Investigations and Research at Judicial Watch, Chris Farrell. Uh, Chris, first I want to say thank you to Judicial Watch. You guys were the ones who filed for the release of all the Trump raid warrant materials, uh, some of which we got today. What do you make of all this? It's a political stunt by the uh, president's opponents to try to smear him, to dirty him up before the midterms, and to make it impossible for him to run again uh, for 2024. That's all it is. And uh, even the, the listing of documents and records taken into custody, the receipt that was produced today, even that's a phonied up document in the sense that they listed things in a way to make it look as bad as humanly possible. They refer to, you know, top secret document. It, okay, the document that was formerly top secret that is now the personal custody of the president under the provisions of the Presidential Record Act Here's a little clue for you. I've been at Judicial Watch for 23 years. I've dealt with the Presidential Records Act more than probably anybody you've ever heard or know known of. And before that, I was a special agent of Army counterintelligence. So I understand all the Espionage Act uh, citations that they premised the warrant on. This whole thing is a phony put-up job from A to Z. Every bit of it is. That's also the reason why they didn't release the affidavit uh, which would have detailed, it would have been a sworn affidavit by a senior or supervisory special agent of the FBI describing what the crime that they thought was going on had happened. So even if you're the, the biggest Trump hater in the world, right, you hate the scary orange man and you think that he's the worst of everything, 
He's taken every bad secret stuff he could possibly imagine. Okay, it's at Mar-a-Lago, which the National Archives and the FBI have visited repeatedly. In June, they were there last, and they sent nice little notes back and forth to the president's attorney, asking him to improve the lock on the storage area. It was a cordial exchange. Now, suddenly, within a couple of days later, they have to go in and break it open. They already know what's there. They've known for two years. There was a, there was a dialogue going on between them, exactly. and it seemed like the president was complying with their orders right down to changing the lock. Um, yes. From what I could see, the itemized returns of what they took looks like a wide-ranging stuff down to leather-bound folders. I guess there's something really serious in there. But, uh, but uh, I, listen, so, so these are secured records in a storage area that they approved on a presidential compound guarded by Secret Service. <laughs> yeah. How are those records in jeopardy? Did they just realize now, two years later also? But I do want to get to another topic, because you guys are phenomenal at this. Um, I want to bring up another Freedom of Information Act lawsuit that you guys filed. Apparently, Joe Biden's 40 years worth of senatorial records are being held captive at the University of Delaware. Very secretive, and they won't release any of these documents until he's out of office for two years. You guys have been suing for access to them. It's a public university. Again, there's no raid. No one is asking questions about these documents. How is that investigation going? Well, it's in litigation now. We won at the lower court. It was appealed. That got pushed back. We keep pounding away, and we're continuing to litigate because even the judge said, well, yeah, it seems a little unusual that everything from the president's term as senator is all locked up. You can't see a thing. You can't see a travel voucher from 1993, right? Nothing can be viewed by the public, which is preposterous. It's a public university. These are government records. There should be access to them. There's no reason to keep them secret. Unless, of course, your name is Biden, right? Then suddenly everything gets locked up. That's when the FBI is sent out to go track down a daughter's diary because there's some creepy stuff in the diary, right? Right. Yeah. Then the FBI sent out his messenger boys to run around and you know break down people's doors because everyone realizes a lost diary is a federal crime, right? Yeah, crazy stuff going on. Uh, Chris Farrell, we got to leave it there. Thank you so much, brother. Uh, you and Judicial Watch, God bless you. Uh, Thanks for joining us tonight. Thank you. All right. Coming up, Texas Governor Greg Abbott sends more migrants to the Big Apple as the administration continues to turn a blind eye to the crisis at our southern border. We'll break down the latest just ahead on Greg Kelly Reports. Don't move. You're a podcast listener, and this is a podcast ad. Reach great listeners like yourself with podcast advertising from Lips and Ads. Choose from hundreds of top podcasts offering host endorsements, or run a reproduced ad like this one across thousands of shows to reach your target audience with Lips and Ads. Go to lipsandads.com now. That's L I B S Y N ads.com. He is a anti American governor that is really going against everything we stand for. He's a global embarrassment uh, because this is not what we do as Americans. That's New York City's mayor, 
Eric Adams taking shots at Texas Governor Greg Abbott. The harsh words come after Abbott sent busloads of illegal migrants to the Big Apple, with the latest group arriving earlier today. Joining us now to discuss is Texas Attorney General Ken Paxton. Attorney General Paxton, thank you so much. Uh, Eric Adams, the swagger man, as I call him, had some strong words for the governor of your state and come as uh, Democrats complain about Abbott's move is sparking a humanitarian crisis. Seems like the Dems only acknowledge the problem when it's in their backyard. Uh, what are your thoughts? Well, look, you know, I'd love to see Eric Adams come govern our state just for one day and see how he, he can handle that. He's got a small problem. He's I think we've spent 360 people to him. We have, I think, about 4,000 every day crossing the border. So it's it's a little bit crazy, a little bit hypocritical for him to complain and, and accuse our governor of, of causing some humanitarian crisis that we know the Biden administration is completely responsible for. And I would love for him to back it up. I mean, he's, he uses these broad swipes at the governor, but the reality is Look at the numbers when Trump was in office of illegal immigrants coming across the border. Look at the drug trafficking. Look at the human trafficking. And compare the numbers to now. The numbers speak for themselves, but you don't ever hear the Democrats, you don't ever hear Mayor Adams even bring those numbers up. No doubt. And uh, if you talk to the mayor, tell him don't sweat it, because as a New Yorker, I've been watching this guy, Eric Adams, for a while. He's all talk. Zero action. So I doubt he's sending anybody down there. But the governor of your state has also bussed some migrants to D.C. in protest of uh, President Biden's open border policies. Now, the D.C. Attorney General Carl Racine announced he's launching an effort to help bust in immigrants, saying, quote, Today I announce a grant program to provide immediate assistance to the vulnerable migrants transported to D.C. The Texas and Arizona governor's decision to bus asylum-seeking migrants to the district is a humanitarian crisis, and we're answering the call for help. What's your answer to that? I would ask Carl, where was he when we had 4,000 a day, as we have 4,000 a day coming across our border? Where was he to help Arizona? I mean, I understand his responsibility to, to, to represent the District of Columbia, but it's interesting that, that he doesn't say a thing about the crisis that we're enduring that wasn't caused by us, that we didn't ask for, but yet we have a huge cost to our state and other border states related to crime, to drugs, to human trafficking, and tremendous cost to our state. I've never heard him offer up a, a word of sympathy or a word of encouragement or a word of help to us. Right. And he's uh, basically telling New Yorkers, these poor immigrants, they have to go on a bus ride to New York for 45 hours. <laughs> They're not poor immigrants. They're people that broke into the country. But pivoting back to the feud between Abbott and Adams, uh, Governor Abbott publicly dared Mayor Adams to make good on his threat to send New Yorkers to campaign against him. Um, now Adams is responding back at Abbott's remarks. Take a listen to this. I kind of feel like Clint Eastwood. Go ahead, Mayor. Make my day. What do you say to that? Well, first of all, uh, it's unfortunate that he believes this is a Hollywood script, and it's not. Uh, it is lives of human beings. <laughs> what do you make about this war words? Look, uh, Adams doesn't understand our situation. The governor has a huge problem on his hand that was not caused by him, and he's trying to address it. And, and the mayor of New York 
as a drop in the in the ocean of, of a problem as it relates to immigration, and he's struggling to deal with 360 immigrants, and it's nothing in compared to the ocean, the, the tidal wave that we deal with. And you don't ever hear him address that. You don't ever hear him say, look, I can relate to what they're dealing with in a small way. Where is his compassion for the people of Texas who are suffering massive drug crimes, lots of crimes other than drug crimes, and just a, a tremendous cost to our state? Mr. Attorney General, I want to switch gears on you one more time. The Department of Homeland Security announced they're ending President Trump's remain in Mexico policy. Uh, the DHS is committed to ending the court-ordered implementation of MPP in a quick and orderly manner. Individuals are no longer being newly enrolled in MPP, and individuals currently in MPP in Mexico will be disenrolled. This sounds scary. It is scary. The numbers are already dramatically higher than they were two years ago. They're up over 300 percent from the Trump administration. All this is doing is it's encouraging the cartels to bring even more people to our to our country. And the deal is, is made. The cartels and the Biden administration are in a partnership, whether people want to admit it or not. There is a partnership. And the deal is cartels get as many people here as you want. They claim asylum. We'll transport them. And 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 you can you can make as much money as you as you want to make as long as you can get the people here. Some dirty business going on. Thank God we got guys like you and Greg Abbott down there standing up for us. Attorney General Ken Paxton, thanks so much for joining us tonight. Hey, thank you. Have a great evening. All right, coming up, former President Trump is slamming reports that he kept classified nuclear info. What he's saying and the response from the National Archives is just ahead, right here on Greg Kelly Reports. the go and need news now. No paywalls, no cable subscriptions. Just download the Newsmax app from your smartphone store. It's free. And watch Newsmax TV anytime, anywhere. A federal judge officially unseals Trump's Mar-a-Lago search warrant. The new developments come as former President Trump blasts reports the FBI was searching for nuclear documents when they raided his Florida home, posting on social media in part, quote, nuclear weapons issue is a hoax, just like Russia, Russia, Russia was a hoax. Two impeachments were a hoax. The Mueller investigation was a hoax and much more. Same sleazy people involved planting information. Anyone reminds me of a Christopher Steele dossier. Trump's strong words came in response to a headline in The Washington Post that read, quote, FBI searched Trump's home to look for nuclear documents and other items, sources say. Joining us now to discuss is former senior military aide to President Bill Clinton, retired U.S. Air Force Lieutenant Colonel Robert Buzz Patterson. Thanks for joining us tonight. The notion has many Trump supporters outraged and uh, recalling how uh, Presidents Bill Clinton and Jimmy Carter were both involved in stories about actually having lost the nuclear codes, um, but their homes weren't raided. You served under President Clinton. What do you make of this double standard? Well, uh, John, hey, thanks for having me. I just think it's atrocious. I mean, I think that we, we can look at 
uh, the classified information documents that presidents have had over the years. Every every president at some point takes documents out of the White House. Uh, we need to understand also that the president is the ultimate classification and declassification authority. So uh, anything that President Trump um, took, he has the authority to actually say these are declassified. Now, let's talk about the nuclear documents, John, for a second. So there's only a couple things that that could actually be. It could be the nuclear codes, which you which you uh, you mentioned that President Trump, uh, I'm sorry, President Clinton and also President Carter lost right. during their their administrations, uh, and it's it's not been there's this this President's Record Act PRA, it, it's not been uh, applied judiciously in terms of uh, of previous presidents and previous staffs. I can go back to Hillary Clinton. Sandy Berger, if you remember Sandy Berger, who, who went to the Ar National Archives under the behest of uh, President Bill Clinton and stuffed classified documents into his pants and his socks and stole those. And he got a slap on the wrist. Hillary Clinton, we know, had 33,000 emails deleted. She got a slap on the wrist, if, if anything at all. Uh, and I, I'm guessing that the only thing I can think that possibly would be in President Trump's Mar-a-Lago would be memorabilia. I mean, there's, it's, there's only a couple things it could be. It could be the nuclear codes, which is a credit card sized document. It could be the actual launch um, targeting, which everything changes, John. The minute the president walks out of the White House and another president comes in, all of that stuff is null and void. It doesn't work. And I think that's what they're trying to hang their hat on is the fact that somehow President Trump's going to launch nuclear weapons from Mar-a-Lago. And that is simply, <laughs> that's not even in the realm of possibility. Yeah, I mean, when you sell your house, the new people change the garage door code. I would imagine there's a lot more security like, oh, well, let's yeah. change the nuclear codes now that Trump is gone. Um, it, hap but it happens automatically, John. It happens automatically. So the, the moment that power transfers from one president to the other pre president, the previous president's codes... Uh, those are all, again, null and void. They're not legit. And the new president gets the new ones. He gets a new football. He gets a new military aid. That's how it works. And uh, it's, it's, it's important for your, you know, the people watching to understand that it's a very fine-tuned process. And there's no way that a president could circumvent that. Yeah. And the fact that uh, apparently President Trump has had these documents in his house for 18 months now shows it wasn't urgent. It was just, it's just all being done for show, and it's all being done to affect the, the uh, midterms here in a couple months. So, Buzz, uh, I do want to get your take on this also. According to the Presidential Records Act, which says in part that if someone in custody of rec records, documents, anything like that, then they shall forfeit his office and be disqualified from holding any office under the United States. In your view... Could this just be one big scheme again to keep Trump out of the White House? There, yes, John. I think it's hundred percent. It's hundred percent political, and I tell you, it's it's the timing is 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 wrong. The precedent is wrong. Uh, they're trying to f find a way to eliminate President Trump from running again, and I just think they've overplayed their hand. I think it's been very heavy-handed, and I think that if uh, if. Democrats were worried about Trump running again. They just they just guaranteed that. They just certified the fact he's going to in fact run again because they, they've been they've been heavy-handed with this whole thing. And documents again, documents classified documents. It's a it's a really crazy area. 
uh, and, and a lot of senior civilian officials in this country have violated it over the years. Indeed. Most of them have gotten a hand slap. I mean, Sandy Berger, uh, people like that have gotten a hand slap. Barack Obama, who sent 5,000, more than 5,000 documents to his his library in Chicago that right. he hasn't even he hasn't even verified with. He hasn't the, returned uh, them. Uh, yeah, the archives. So yeah. the national. This, so this we're letting. No... So John, essentially, we're John. We're essentially we're letting librarians at the national <laughs> archives dictate our military. I mean, dictate our gang uh, crazy processes and elections. Yeah, gang crazy by the minute. This is certainly no wrist slap. It's more like a colonic. But uh, Buzz, thanks so much for joining us tonight. Really appreciate your insights breaking it down. Yes, sir. Thank you very much for having me, John. Take care. Thanks. All right. We are just four days away from the Republican primaries in Wyoming, and we've got Rhino Liz Cheney on that ballot. Without Trump or her father, she doesn't have uh, much of a campaign to depend on. So what's her newest made-up talking point to try to get the W? We'll talk about that after this break. All right, we're just days away from the Republican primaries in Wyoming on Tuesday, and it looks like Liz Cheney is doing just about anything to win, when what she should really be doing is preparing for a loss. Her talking points, they seem to solely focus on Trump and nothing about what the people of Wyoming truly care about. Without making up lies about Trump, it really looks like she's running out of campaign strategies. Having her phony politician of a father in a creepy Western movie-like campaign ad just won't do the trick, and to me, reeks of desperation. So what's the next shtick? Well, let's check in. I will tell you it is especially the young women. Young women who seem instinctively to understand the peril of this moment for our democracy and young women who know that it will be up to them to save it. Turning all young Republican women against Trump? That sounds like another failed plan. Jesse Jane Duff is ambassador of America First Policy Institute, a retired gunnery sergeant of the U.S. Marine Corps. Jesse, thanks for joining us tonight. Appreciate it. Good to see you, John. So what to make of this? They're gonna, she's talking about turning young Republican women against Trump. It seems to be a strong theme of the January 6th hearings. Uh, Liz Cheney is just fawning over these young women. Take a listen. I have been incredibly moved by the young women that I have met and that have come forward to testify in the January 6th committee. Cassidy, Sarah... And our other witnesses, including Officer Caroline Edwards, Shea Moss, and her mother, Ruby Freeman, are an inspiration to American women. Jesse, how is this a winning strategy in her eyes? Well, it's not. You know, most Americans are so sick of identity politics that we're being identified now again by our gender versus our capabilities. And for her to try to prop up women that we know Cassidy was really giving some unstable testimony that couldn't even be legitimized by the Secret Service, for her to sit there and try to justify that these women are powerful and full of courage 
is, you know, malarkey, as uh, Joe Biden would probably say. When I listen to someone like Liz Cheney, I just feel like she's talking out of both sides of her neck because I cannot fail to remember that her father promoted the wars that she continued to promote, the endless wars that killed many Americans, predominantly men. She decimated lives, made many of these men permanently disabled because of the promotion that we had to stay there with our troops on the ground. And having served in the United States Marine Corps as a female and retired gunnery sergeant, which are two very powerful things in my mind. It didn't make me a better Marine because of my gender. It made me a better Marine because of the leadership that I followed. And 99% of the time, it was men that taught me everything that I knew. And she's dismissing men, saying all the troubles are now because of the men and because of everything that's going wrong is men. It's like, lady, Stick with what you're good at. And obviously you have failed at that because you now just want to demonize President Trump because he's living rent free in your head. Yeah. And by the way, all of our friends on the January 6th committee and the Democrat Party, they're probably in shock that she's referring to women as women. Um, but uh, <laughs> while Liz is obsessing over these young women who've testified and gone against Trump, She's also been demonizing men. Take a listen to this. She knew all along that she would be attacked by President Trump and by the 50, 60, and 70-year-old men who hide themselves behind executive privilege. But like our witnesses today, she has courage, and she did it anyway. To me, this just screams hypocrisy. Um, do you think she's in it for a rude awakening? Well, I'll tell you, she also has increased her wealth. That was reported by Breitbart up to maybe 600%. When she first came into Congress in 2017, she was like the 71st ranking wealthiest member of Congress. And now that's accelerated all the way up to the 24th highest wealthiest member of Congress. Where'd that money come from? She and her family have profited off of the backs of American people. Uh, the deals that her father made while he was in the defense contracting industry they profited immensely off of that. And yet, I don't know anything that they've done outside of serving in Congress to make themselves something that has contributed to this great nation. You know, all of this rhetoric that now is trying to demonize the men and isolate the women as being powerful and wonderful, yet she doesn't praise the conservative women that had gone to testify on behalf of President Trump. Where are those women, Liz Cheney? Are they just suddenly liars? Many of them were young women. People like his own press secretary went in there and defended the president. And yet those names seem to escape her. She is not going to win in Wyoming. We all know it. But this war chest that she has now came from across the nation. Democrats have aligned themselves with her. We are not going to see Liz Cheney go away, just much like her father in that ghoulish ad where he's staring into the camera oh with almost black eyeballs <laughs> telling us that Donald Trump's a liar. Well, what about you, Dick Cheney? Because I dare to say that much of what you told this nation to go to war and stay in combat and sacrifice our wealth and our youth and the blood and treasure overseas was probably based upon a lie itself. No doubt about it. And uh, we all know Big Dickie Cheney made plenty of dough off the military complex. So uh, we'll keep our eye on all that stuff. Great stuff. Jesse Jane Duff, thank you so much. We appreciate you joining us tonight. Thank you, John. 
All righty. The biggest news came out of Mar-a-Lago this week. And how has the fake news handled it? We'll be back after this to give you the scoop. Oh, 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 boy, has it been a banner week for news. But it's sure been quite the week for the fake news, too. Now, uh, we'd need a much longer show to break down their worst moments of the week. But we will have time to discuss about 2% of it with our next guest. Presidential historian and Reagan biographer Craig Shirley joins us. Craig, thanks for joining us. You bet, John. Thank you. So I'm always zeroed in on this Morning Joe guy. I call him Morning J-O. Joe Scarborough uh, might just take the gold medal for being the most phoniest person on the fake news. Um, But nothing beats a fascist calling other people who are actually fascists. Fascists. Take a listen to this. They're fascists, like people that are making the threats, the people that helped Donald Trump on January 6th, the people that were talking about coming to, to D.C., that it was going to be crazy, that it was going to, wa- going to be wild, they were going to charge the cap. They're fascists. And so they're making fascist threats, and we need to do what the United States has always done. Uh, we need to confront fascism and, and defeat it. So everybody that's freaking out over fascists being fascists, well, guess what? That's what fascists do. That's why we have law enforcement to actually bring fascists to justice. It's almost like they told them when you go on today, say the word fascism as much as possible. It's the most hypocritical thing. Um, What do you think about this stuff? Um, John, he said it over and over and over. What's most disappointing is Joe's an old friend of mine, and I've known Joe since he was elected to Congress in 1994. He used to be, I mean, he still is a good guy, but ideologically he's changed dramatically. He will tell you he's a Reagan Republican. He's not a Reagan Republican anymore. He's part of the collective elite uh, that was part of the Washington power structure of big government, big media, uh, that type of crowd. What was disappointing also was, you know, my old friend Michael Beschloss, who is a good historian, nodding his head in agreement, and the former head of the Republican National Committee nodding his head in agreement. Uh, is we're seeing, John, an increasing division in this country between the, you and I, the populace, people of America versus the elites. That's the way the ideological breakdown is coming now. It's not even Republican versus Democrat, because I know a lot of re- Democrats on our side. Uh, um, this is um, coming. Yeah, I'm uh, seeing a lot this, more of it. I'm seeing a lot more of it myself. And, you know, when you wonder what happened to. Joe, I think also uh, Mika gives a couple of tugs on the leash and he comes right back (laughs) to heel. But uh, our friend over at Grabian, uh, Tom Elliott, he's always coming up with these great supercut montages of the fake news. Uh, What I'm about to show you, I think, is another great masterpiece of his. Um, The left media is afraid to critique the awful work of the FBI. Take a look. The FBI is a conservative-leaning law enforcement organization, and we've sort of like lost lost the thread on that in the past six years. These attacks against the FBI, these attacks against the most important federal law 
enforcement agency Less than in America. 24 hours after a peaceful search that they gave them a yeah. heads up on. Peaceful search. It's all legal. It's all lawful. It's not a raid. They didn't, you know, they, they're not there improperly or unlawfully. The Justice Department is returning to its historical position as a law enforcement agency above politics, trying to do the right thing. Where's the uh, the whole lefty lib no. crowd on defund the police and yeah. overactive law enforcement with the FBI? Where are they now? Until it's on their side. Look, we, we, are in, we are in choppy waters here, John. Constitutionally, we're in choppy waters. And I, and I, I think we're headed back toward uh, a, a new American revolution. Uh, the, the, the way the American government is behaving is the way the British government behaved in 1775 and even before, which necessitated our going to revolution and declaring our independence. And we may be headed that way. Look, we don't need an FBI anymore. We have state law enforcement that can handle our problems just fine. We, sh the, we when we get control of Congress in November, first on the first on the list of items besides taking care of the American people is to eliminate the funding for the FBI and the IRS. I love it, hey, hey, Craig. Craig, uh, I watch a lot of your stuff. I didn't think you'd be the one calling for defund the FBI, but I sure love it. Thanks so much yeah. for joining us tonight. You bet, John. Have a good weekend. You too. And just when you thought you saw the last of him, Dr. Fauci keeps popping up. Stay with us for the latest stunt pulled by Dr. Flip-Flop Fauci after this. Bottom line, we don't have to worry about this one, right? This is not a major threat for the people in the United States, and this is not something that the citizens of the United States right now should be worried about. That was Dr. Fauci right here with Greg on Greg Kelly Reports in January of 2020, proving to us just how wrong he could be. For two years, we listened to Dr. Flip-Flop Fauci telling us how we should be living our life. First, there was no mask. Then there was a double mask. Then vaccine, no mask, booster, mask. You remember all this nonsense? But despite this all, it seems like Dr. Fauci may have a completely different view of history. In fact, at the Fred Hutchinson Cancer Research Center out in Seattle, this is how he referred to his legacy. It's called the Fauci effect. It's what I symbolize. And what I symbolize in, a, in an era of the normalization of untruths and lies and and all the things you're seeing going on in society from January 6th to everything else that goes on, people the craving for consistency, for integrity, for truth, and for people caring about people. You know, uh, as a New Yorker, on the weekends I like to go down the Jersey Shore, this guy has had more flip-flops than the entire Jersey Shore on a sunny Saturday afternoon, and now he's talking about his legacy, the Fauci effect? It's like the Mandela effect? Do you think you see something you're not? Yeah, we thought we were seeing somebody who knew what he was talking about. Anyway, enough of Dr. Fauci. I want to end tonight on a more inspiring note with a message from a great American, Hollywood superstar, John Voigt. They may try to knock down and tear down this man, but one thing is for sure, President Donald Trump 
will show the American people the truth. My fellow Americans, barbaric actions against Trump will only prove that the evil ones are afraid of the truth being exposed and the greed and deceit will only show that the Democrat fools are guilty of lies, tricks, and corrupt abuse toward the only president who has the best interest of the American people in this country. Over the years, I've loved so many characters from this guy. But honestly, the one I love most is himself. Thank you, John Voight. And thank all of you for tuning in. That's all for us tonight. And you can catch my show, Wise Guys with John Tobacco, right here on Newsmax tomorrow night at 10 p.m.